Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Hello and welcome to the following on podcast from TalkSport. I'm John Norman and alongside me as ever is Jared Kimber looking back at a full day's play at the Aegeus Bowl uh, between uh, England and West Indies in the first test match. Uh, this, the test poised brilliantly after uh, a hard-fought day's cricket which we will look back on with our uh, various moments, shots, balls, takes, anodyne press conference moments uh, and all the rest of the shebang that we do on the following on the podcast. It's me, it's Jared, and we're just about to get underway. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, there's a lot of cricket podcasts out there. The fact that you've chosen our one uh, is something that uh, we should be very proud of. Um, you've, I've heard another podcast before listening to this one. If you're a cricket fan, you almost certainly know what happened today in terms of the score. England uh, in second innings, finishing 15 without loss, uh, still trailing by 99 runs after uh, some attritional cricket from uh, uh, West Indies. Craig Brathwaite, well, we know that's how he plays. 65, his uh, first score over 49 in two years. Um, Shane Dowrich, what a turnaround for him. He averaged about four last time he was in England. Uh, he hit 61 and Ruston Chase took 142 deliveries uh, to hit uh, 47. Ben Stokes. Uh, did it with ball as well as bat, four for 49, three for 62 from Anderson. But uh, we'll talk, no doubt, about the combined figures of Mark Wood and Joffre Archer. Uh, some unplayable deliveries towards the end of the day, but somehow Rory Burns and Dom Sibley are still there. Uh, but a lot of work to do. Let's get on with the show. Story of the day. Jared, uh, story of the day. What are you thinking? I'm thinking that... West Indies have outbatted and outbowled England so far in this test match. Uh, I think we thought they had a, the possibility of outbowling them, or, although I still think it's a bit optimistic, perhaps. But certainly, um, I think their batsmen handled the conditions when the ball was moving around better, and uh, and they stuck to it. I, I don't think that they've been massively better than England, but I think they've been better 
uh, enough times uh, for just just little things like there was all this talk and Sky did this whole thing about how you had to pitch up on this pitch to get wickets. It was quite clear early on that you had to pull back a little bit again. Uh, and I don't think England, you know, I think they kept going full, especially to someone like Roston Chase. He doesn't like the ball at him very much at all. And I think they gave him a lot of full balls. So uh, I, I think there was a couple of mistakes there. But yeah, story of the day is I think West Indies has just been a little bit better so far at this point in the game. Uh, certainly the stats will show that they got more swing. Uh, marginally, there's not been a great deal of swing, uh, but that's surprising in England for for the visitors to get more swing than English bowlers. Um, yeah, you've got to uh, factor in the conditions though too. Well, that's, don't you, that's the other thing. There were better bowling bowling conditions on days one. What we got of it, seventeen point four and all that, <laughs> uh, and on days two, day three was the best day for batting. So mm. that shouldn't be forgotten as well. Um, also, I suppose you could say as well. You know, Mark Wood and Jofra Archer combined must only have about twenty tests experience and Joffre Archer and Normark would have played a great deal of first cricket, first class cricket either. Mm. So again, that may be a difference between the two sides. Well, I mean, you say that, but don't forget, well, maybe this is unfair, but only two bowlers for the West Indies took wickets as well. Uh, you know, they split all the wickets between Gabriel and Holder, although I still think Roach bowled well and Joseph didn't actually need to bowl that well. Uh, sorry, didn't need to bowl that much, uh, but uh, I don't think Joffre bowled particularly poorly at all. Uh, Wood, I thought, bowled very fast. He does what he does. Uh, I think maybe could have targeted the body a little bit more at times, a couple of um, extra short spells. But other than that, I, I thought they bowled okay. I just thought West Indies played to the conditions a little bit better and you know tried to play within themselves. There's no one in that West Indies side that's looking at themselves and going, I'm the best batsman in the world at the moment. So you know they are going to have to graft a little bit more. And someone like Roston Chase... I think he's a brilliant player of spin, but he does struggle against seam bowling. So for him to stay in for 140 balls, I, I think is a testament to uh, how well he handled it. Um, so a lot was spoken about before the series about Jason Holder and Ben Stokes. And uh, why not? I mean, the two, <laughs> ca- the two captains, um, you know, with Joe Root not playing in this test match, vitally important to their, the fortunes of their team. So it's proved Holder took a six for... Uh, Stokes has followed that up with taking four they've both taken each other's wickets um, Ben Stokes top scored in England's innings started looking a little bit at all-rounders and you know you were probably just a little bit too young for the golden age you know we're talking about the Imran Khan Kapildev Richard Hadley Ian Botham kind of era but certainly over the years um, we've been blessed with a lot of all-rounders in the game I can't think of a time where there's so few all-rounders in test cricket, top quality all-rounders as we've got now, because you've got Stokes and uh, Holder at the top of the rankings. But after that, there's not a great deal behind them. Why is that? I think you've got to factor in the fact that uh, one of them is suspended. Uh, Shakib Al-Hassan would be, would be joining that, that too, wouldn't he? He'd be up there and has been for a lot of his career. Um, I'm not sure. It's a, I don't think it's that recent a thing. I think since well, 1992, how many great all-rounders have we had? South Africa have had quite a few. Uh, New Zealand have had some handy ones. I'm not sure that Chris Cairns probably quite counts as a great, an all-time great, probably does as a New Zealand great. Uh, how many have Sri Lanka ever had, for instance? And how many have India ever had? I mean, MS Dhoni did a whole tour of England where he just basically spent the whole time going, I wish we had Ben Stokes. Australia, realistically, perhaps have never had uh, a great one since Keith Miller. We've had guys like Shane Watson who are handy and Steve Waugh who are handy. 
so I, I think it's actually, and I think maybe part of this is the way that we look at it, but also test cricket is a real game for specialists. If you are not good enough with bat or ball, uh, chances are that you are going to be found out at test cricket level. I, I remember when Callis retired and South Africa replaced him with Ryan McLaren and uh, mm. uh, uh, Robin Peterson. You know, both good first-class players, good records. Anyone who saw Ryan McLaren play for Kent knows how talented he is. Peterson was a very clever player, probably going to be a very important person within cricket as well, if not a coach, then maybe in administration. And yet, they both look like you and I had been brought in because their bowling skills were not of test quality and their batting skills were not of test quality. And I think you see this a lot. I always I talk about it as the Ian Botham, Derek Pringle rule. Derek Pringle was not a terrible cricketer. His, his test stats may not show him being a great cricketer. The problem was he didn't have a particular skill that, was, that made him a very good quality test cricketer, whereas Ian Botham did. So I think it's really hard to be a, a top quality test cricketer when, when you're looking at all-rounders, because I think you usually you are found out in one discipline, sadly, sometimes in two disciplines. I say this stat all the time, and I don't just do it to mention his name, but Aubrey Faulkner is the only player in Test cricket to average over 40 with the bat and under 30 with the ball. There is a reason why that is the case. It is really hard. And if Sobers and Callis couldn't do it, and Imran Khan couldn't do it, it's, it's tough. I'm going to throw this at you. It's not fair. But who in the current ICC test rankings is the world's number four all-rounder. Number four. Oh, that mm. is interesting. Uh, so I think Ashwin, is Ashwin number three? Ashwin is number five. <clears throat> oh, okay. I wasn't far off. I knew Ashwin no. was up there. I think Ashwin's actually a very good uh, batsman. I think he's been uh, underrepresented. Also, those rankings never take in wicketkeeper batsmen, which are now all-rounders, which mm. I, I find a bit odd. Who is number four? It will be someone like Mitchell Stark or Pat Cummins or something oh, like that. You're seriously good. It is Mitchell Stark. I'll give you yeah. the top 10 all-rounders. Um, Holder, top, by quite some distance. Then Stokes. Jadeja at oh, three. Stark at four, as you mentioned. Ashwin at five. Colin de Grandhomme at, uh, at six. Patrick Cummins, who you just mentioned, seven. Roston Chase, who we saw today, eight. Chris Wokes at nine and Tim Southey at 10. So that tells you a little bit, but number 13, if you get that one, well, number then 13. I just give up and I'll give you a clue. Cause otherwise it's, well, actually no, I'll just say first off, number, can you guess who the 13th best all rounder in the world is? Jared Kimbo. Is it Tim Murta? <laughs> no, it isn't. I'll give you one clue. Yeah. He's, he's playing in this match. Is it Mark Wood? No. Okay. Uh, it's, it's Kamar Roach. Yeah, I mean that's true. Also, Kamar Roach. So Mate, many Kamar yeah. Roach, thirteenth I mean, best all rounder in world in world cricket. Those rankings are obviously nonsensical, and mm. they don't re- really work. Other than maybe right at the top level, what I would say is also that you have to look at. It doesn't look at the whole picture. For instance, you could say right at the moment that Jason Holder is doing more things for his team than Ben Stokes when it comes to batting and bowling. What you couldn't say, though, is that Jason Holder isn't helping his team as much as Ben Stokes is because Ben Stokes is playing as a uh, top six batsman and then bowling the overs when they, they are needed, when there is something wrong. Jason Holder is basically playing as a bowler who can strengthen the batting. 
a little bit at number eight. That is not as important as a role as getting a fifth bowler into the side. If Jason Holder moves to seven or even six, but I don't think he can bat at six, but I think he can certainly bat at seven, then you, you then have your number eight would be Rakeem Cornwall. They then have a five-man bowling attack and they have Rakeem Cornwall potentially coming in when the other opposition bowlers are tired and he can do scary things with the bat. So those sorts of things aren't, aren't factored in. So on pure numbers, I think Jason Holder's been better. But I actually think that Jason Holder can even have a bigger impact on West Indies cricket if he moves up the order. They do have a five-man bowling attack, though, if you factor in chase. And I don't. So <laughs> I've seen it. I was there when he took his eight-wicket haul, and I don't count him as a bowler. I mean, <laughs> you, can't, you can't compare him as a bowler. He's... He's basically Marcus North type bowler, isn't he? Paul Collingwood type bowler. He's go- he's going to get you eight to ten overs, and occasionally when the when something comes magical, he'll take some wickets. But Raheem Cornwall is a frontline bowler. They could have five frontline bowlers in their attack if Jason Holder changes where he bats, and there's no reason why he can't bat at number seven. Well, just take Jermaine Blackwood out of that team because that's shot today. But uh, anyway, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Moment of the day. Uh, for me, it's when Shane Gowrich came in and after a lot of grinding and a lot of defensive batting, he went after Dominic Best a little bit. I think he was 10 or 5 at one stage. I think that, that showed how much he's changed. I mean, this is his first innings in England since he averaged negative 3 or whatever you said at the start of the show. Um, he averaged 40 in the last couple of years and he averaged 40 in the West Indies when no one else could hit the ball off the square. We were there when he made that big 100. He, he's a perfect example of... Because he's short, I think people think he's young. He's actually not that young. I think he's 27, 28. But he did have a very long period at the start of his career where he struggled. He's now, I mean, he, he, he might even get into the team as a batsman because they've also got De Silva to bring in, who's another wicket-keeping batsman, who's a very, very good quality player as well. Darich is now shows to me that he has changed his game so much. I think he was unlucky to go out. He got strangled down the leg side trying to flick at one, didn't he? He deserved a nod out today because I thought he batted brilliantly in that innings. Yeah, when you factor in that catch yesterday as well uh, to dismiss Butler, I think Butler. it was. Um, you know, this is a guy that thinks very deeply about his cricket. He had a horror show two years ago, not just with the bat, but behind the stumps. Actually, he, he did a lot of work with James Foster. Um, and credited him before this series started with uh, helping him line up, essentially. Because, of course, the ball moves so much, you know, even when the batsman doesn't hit it, it moves a lot after it's gone past the batsman in, in English conditions. Uh, maybe not so much at the Gs Bowl, but, uh, yeah, credit to, uh, to Shane Dowrich. My moment of the day, uh, a bit like day one, actually, took place on Sky Sports. Not sure if you saw it. You may have seen it uh, mentioned on social media. Stuart Broad spoke oh. and was asked about his, his feelings after being dropped. And look, Broadie, uh, Stuart Broad doesn't say anything. Stuart Broad knows what he's saying, essentially. But you know, there was no, uh, well, it's a long summer. I'm disappointed, but I'm sure I'm going to get a game and six tests in seven weeks. He said he was gutted, angry and disappointed. And it had been a terrible couple of days. That was refreshing to hear, for one. Um, mm. But uh, when you then... Have a look at the uh, the bowling figures. Combined figures of Archer and Wood, 44 overs, five maidens, one for 135. You look at the speed in which wickets have been taken on this pick, uh, pitch. You've got to say that um, just like in that first test match against West Indies in Barbados, it looks like an error to have dropped him. Yes, I suppose it In does. hindsight, in hindsight. 
I probably wouldn't have picked on this pitch Wood and, and Archer. I probably would have gone with Archer because he's the more skillful of the two. Um, and I think you needed a little bit of that. Um, so I, I probably would have gone with that. It, this is where I find it weird. We knew it was going to be a little bit overcast. Uh, it looked like it was going to be a pitch that was going to be weather damaged. Why would you want wood in that situation, not over, over broad? Oh, sorry. Why would you want wood in that situation over broad? And then the other thing is, if you are trying to protect broad and his body, surely he plays in the first test, you give him a break, and he plays in the third test. I it seems a little muddled to me. I don't know how the decision was made, because obviously Root's not there. I don't know how much this was Ed Smith or um, Spoons or, or Stokesy. I, I don't know how it all sort of fits together. But it just seemed a little bit muddled to me. And like at the time, I was thinking, are we pre-resting him? Because that doesn't make any sense. Really, what you want to do in a tight turnaround like this is rest him in the middle of the series. But uh, maybe I'm wrong. I'm probably not wrong because they took none for I think it was Stokes. Stokes was very much behind the decision. What made me a little surprised was that at the toss, Stokes said, uh, obviously, Mark Wood comes in. Um, and he's backed Wood big time for a long time. And also, Mark Wood did take nine wickets in the last test match. And uh, Stokes said, so Wood comes in, you know, they wanted this out and out pace. I've heard a couple of mentions about this is a bowling attack they want for the Gabba at the end of next year. But, you know, this isn't a Gabba pitch. And Stokes is well aware of that because that was what he said at the toss. He said, this is a flat pitch. And so I just thought, well, I, I, I personally would have gone in with Broad, maybe ahead of Archer, uh, because, of course, he missed South Africa. But, hey, um, we just don't know what's... We, we don't know, but it's certainly an interesting point. Another moment of the day for me was social media after Craig Brathwaite was given out. Now, yesterday we talked about the umpiring, home decisions and all of that. Um, it was kind of evened out because there was a decision that went for West Indies, which was overturned. Um, Roston Chase, I think, the LBW decision there. But Brathwaite, I thought, was very unfortunate to be given out. You know, that was a ball that, uh, you know, the decision, the DRS, it did back up the umpire's decision. But that was a ball that pitched marginally in line and would have only clipped the top of uh, Midland off stump. So, uh, once again, very narrow decision going the way of the home side. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England 
against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Shot of the day. One of the indications that the pitch was uh, evening out, but also going back to the point you were saying, insofar that maybe England err by bowling a touch too full, was the amount of cover drives we saw um, early on in the innings. And I was very impressed by Brooks, Shamar Brooks. You know, two or three of the uh, the on drives. And actually, if you look, I had a little read of his Crick Info profile before he came in, because I hadn't seen a lot of him. And the top line is that this guy is a beautiful on and off driver. And we saw that today. One of the shots that just whisked past uh, the stumps of the non-strikers in. Absolutely beautiful. Um, Roston Chase as well, actually, just before the lunch break, just opened the bad up and uh, drove square of the wicket. Uh, so, yeah, I'd say a couple of those off drives from Brooks and Chase, my shots of the day. Yeah, mine is a Brooks on drive as well. It was uh, Wood was trying to set him up for the straight full uh, ball. I don't know if he's got for the LBW or the Yorker and he just got it slightly wrong, but it was really fast and he had set him up. And Brooks, I thought just for a second, he's one of those batsmen who looks like he has a bit of extra time, but I just thought he was rushed a little bit and yet he still got over it, you know, big bent elbow and punched it down the ground. I think he only got three for it. But I, when, he, when he played that, off that ball after being set up, I thought he, he's a player. Ball of the day. There's a couple of great balls, wasn't there? There was uh, Jason Holder right towards the end, Kemar Roach uh, right towards the end. And very early on in the day, which is a little bit why I think one of the reasons I think back to Jofra not taking any wickets is maybe sometimes we look at the results rather than the individual deliveries that the bowlers bowl. He bowled a ball that I think it took Craig Brathwaite's edge, or it might have been Shy Hope, uh, took the shoulder of the bat, went over the slips. That was a brute of a ball. We didn't see many of those uh, from the almost all the England bowlers, really, until um, in, until the West Indians took the ball back at the end. And Kima Rocha, I think he might have hit Dom Sibley on the hand. Uh, but, yeah, I remember that Joffre balls. But there was there was some good balls there. Yeah, I thought Jimmy Anderson bowled uh, particularly well again today. He did uh, give the impression, certainly when uh, he picked up, I think, the third wicket of a guy that was finding finding it tough it was it was mentally and physically tough he hasn't bowled in a test match since august it was quite hot out there obviously just one warm up no real cricket and it was i think both anderson and and, and stokes it was just more sheer uh, force of uh, of mental strength that was getting them through today and it's no surprise that arguably two of the strongest willed characters and of course, with the skills attached as well, were the ones that were most successful for England. But just a little sign of how difficult it can be being an opening batsman. You know, Kamara Roach and Shannon Gabriel, just uh, towards the close of play, is that period, is, there's no benefit being out there, unless you're Mark Butcher, um, and you're either going to score an easy 20 or get out and be able to have a drink tonight. It, it was very taxing. Sibley was on a pair uh, Rory Burns looks like it looks taxing watching him bats all the time but uh, there was a couple of deliveries from Gabriel we've talked about it coming around the wicket and the ball angling in and off stump and then just snaking past the outside edge one of which you know 
both batsmen and a bowler just looked at each other and laughed. Hmm. You, you, that, it's going to be your day one day and it isn't the next. But yeah, some absolutely brilliant, brutish deliveries towards the end. I thought England did pretty well to, to survive, but it's going to be tough on day four. Lol of the day. Lol of the day. Do you have a lol of the day? It wasn't really a lol day, was it, today? It was... Just as you said that, I was like, do I have a lol of the day? I can't remember. <laughs> and maybe, actually, it's probably from the commentary. And Mikey Holding has you know, gone viral with incredible comments about you know, race and his parents and Ebony, uh, Rainsford Brent, the same. And yet, you know, he then, today, is talking about how many hits he's had on his YouTube page. <laughs> which, and then Rob Key has to uh, explain TikTok to him. Um, I mean, Mike, Mikey Holding is having the best test he's had, you know, not at the Oval in the UK. I tell you what, because normally we're at the ground, but of course, as we're not rights holders, can't uh, we don't have access to it. We're watching, I mean, I do listen to Sky Sports when I'm there because you have those little headsets, but essentially, um, you know, watching a lot more of it and it's been pretty good, I must admit. But mm. one of the things that came from Sky Sports again today was, now, we are normally at the cricket, okay? Now, we pick up on a lot of stuff and see a lot of stuff that the audience back home do not, or the listeners as well. There are, on occasion, moments in the day where maybe um, a highly paid, uh, incredibly professional, most of the time, former cricketer, maybe more keen than maybe he's letting on to get this test match wrapped up, and it may influence his... his, his position on air on another occasion maybe we're deep into back-to-back test territory it's day three and a commentator or two may find room at the back of a commentary box just to have a little snooze now that kind of thing would never be picked up upon until now because there are no fans Mm. so if you're the kind of commentator who likes to have a sneaky cigarette down the stairwell or pop around the uh pop around the way just to have a, a cigarette well Look out, because the cameras are going to pick up on you. Don't do it. It's not worth it. Um, Until the fans come back, I think everybody's going to be on their best behaviour. Anodyne press conference moment of the day. Jimmy Anderson uh, spoke to the press following play. Let's hear what he had to say. Yeah, well, I think uh, the West Indies have had the best of the first few days, certainly. Um, You know, we're up against it a little bit, so we know exactly what we've got to do. We've got to bat well tomorrow. try and get a decent lead or decent enough lead, get ahead of them so we can give ourselves a chance of, of bowling them out fourth innings uh, and winning the game. Jimmy Anderson there. What is going to happen tomorrow? OK, Jared. now let's take it back 24 hours. Uh, what did you predict would happen today on day three? I remember. Well, was I accurate? No, I think I was more accurate. I, th- I said England would be batting by close. And West mm. Indies would have a narrow first innings lead. So maybe that wasn't quite so accurate. But that was definitely more accurate than what you were saying. I think you said that West Indies would, be, uh, would struggle. And uh, I think you said England would have a, a, a lead. But hey, I, I, don't I, think I, only, I, I only starred on the uh, following on podcast. I don't listen back to it. What I will say is this. I said, and whatever my suggestion was, I said, unless the conditions change and the conditions did change. So I'm no, still we wrong, knew even the when conditions, No, we knew the conditions were going to change. We knew it was going to be a better batting day. I'm taking this one. Okay, well, we know the conditions are going to be quite similar on day four. 
So what do you expect to happen on day four? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think watching how well West Indies bowled just before the close in, there's a lot of pressure on England. I think if they can get to 1-50 to again, 50 for 1, I don't know why I'm suddenly doing Australian scoring again. If they can get to 50 for 1, with their middle order, with, you know, with Stokes and Pope, they have a chance of at least scoring 300 to 350. I think if, if we see, and the way that Dom Sidley was leaving the ball, he might not last that long. Joe Denley, if he gets 100 balls, uh, he's done well here. I, I think that the pressure of being behind and the quality of the West Indies bowling, I think might be too much for them. But it'd be very, it will be very interesting to see. Um, because it is going to be another good batting day. So we're going to get a real test of how good the England batting lineup is. I'm expecting a little bit from Alzari Joseph on day four. And I think the game is going to go one of two ways. I think that either West Indies are going to get on top early and they're going to strangle England. It's going to be very, very difficult. And we could see a result early day five. Or England are going to weather a bit of an early storm But once they get past that 115 or whatever it is, and they start stretching out their lead themselves, I just got the feeling that the West Indies may just uh, pull back a little bit because they know that to get a draw in this game, okay, they wouldn't take it now, but if that was to be the the, the case around T, they'll just want to take a little bit of time out of the game because they'll know that the only way that England can really win is one of those weird situations where England need to be bowled out. Mm. So both teams may kind of subconsciously come to the uh, a decision that a draw will be where they want to be at the end of day five. But it's about predictions. I think it's difficult to see past what you're saying. West Indies, with bat and ball in this test match, have not given England any let-up whatsoever. Apart from that drop in the, in the field on Stokes, the second one, the first one was a bit of a tougher one. Mm. They've had control of this test match. Now, will the experience that England have in test matches over the last couple of years see them through? They've played, they must have played double the amount West Indies have. I'm not sure. I'm going to back West Indies to be strong tomorrow and to be in a position at stumps on day four where they're strong favourites to win this test match. The only way I can see England doing well is if England bat out of their skins because I just don't think that West Indies are going to drop the ball with the, the kind of pressure, the kind of bowling attack they have. I think they're going to be too accurate um, and too hard to score off. So it's going to have to be an incredible batting. That's why I sort of look at Stokes and Pope in that middle order. Brilliant. Well, we'll find out whether I'll go 2 nil up in the predictions after <laughs> absolutely wiping the floor with you today. Not that any of us can really remember what exactly you predicted for day three. That's pretty much it for the following on podcast. Really appreciate you taking the time to listen. Uh, We will be back at the end of every single day of this test series. So uh, tune in either in the evening around nine o'clock when the podcast usually appears or early in the morning the following day. Uh, This is the following on podcast. You can listen to us on Acast, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thanks for listening. And we will be back at the end of day four from the first test match between England and West Indies from the Aegeus one.
The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 